one more time set and here comes the 2-2 pitch to Edgar Martinez down the fastball swung on and it's a deep center field Bernie Williams goes back and it is get out the right red and the mustard this time grandma it is a grand salami and the Mariners lead it 10 to 6 I don't believe it From high atop the Robinson Gearing Studio Complex and straight out of God's country, Pauley's Island, South Carolina, the Let's Talk Baseball Podcast Network proudly presents Backwards K Pod. And now, here's the host of the show, Jake Robinson. Good moment, baseball universe. What is up? Once again, back is the incredible, the Vaughn Animal, Jake the Snake Robinson from the Let's Talk Baseball Podcast Network, half man, half podcast machine. I'm coming out of Paulie's Island, South Kakalaki, back in the Captain Kirk chair, seals down, photons up. Prepare to engage on this week's digital audio program that I call Backwards K-Pod, where we collect ballplayers... And their stories. What's cracking, Seamheads? Want to welcome all of you back for yet another scintillating edition of BKP, where we will again cover the beautiful game of baseball through the lens of American history from my loyal army of OGs that have supported me from day one through all of my broadcast endeavors to, to the BKP virginal pod surfer who happened to find this barrel and is now riding that wave. What's up, everybody? Jake the Snake Robinson here. I'm pumped up, ready to go. How about that new intro, huh? I mean, that shit is hot. My boy is already making an impact on the show. That's 12-gauge productions right there, baby. That shit is hot. I'm com- I'm accompanied by the BKP's uh, new in-studio producer, the Batman to my rock, uh, Batman to my Superman, my main man, Gage Geham. What is up, brother? How you doing this week? Hey man, I'm doing good this week. It's good to be here. Good to be back. Glad I can help out, you know, oh, make man. an impact in this first week. And, you know, I'm looking forward to what we can do for the uh, coming weeks ahead. Yeah, man, that's awesome. And, and speaking about going ahead, you know, I, um, I love the intro. We're doing a lot of production stuff on the outside. And, you know, we'll, we'll get into this fundraiser thing. We got a little money to work with. And, and we're, we're going to sink it into the show, guys. Uh, so, man, I'm so proud to have you here. And talking about some things to come, uh, you do have the uh, Instagram page up, correct? That is correct. We have the Instagram page up. We have those awesome tumblers. Awesome, awesome tumblers. Y'all should totally go check it out. Instagram page is backwards K pod. Just like the podcast, we got the tumblers up, and we have this week's video promo up. So y'all should definitely go check that out. Leave a like, leave a comment, tell us what you think. Feel free to DM us. We love to respond. And um, yeah, so that's yeah. up and running. And also, we were talking about you know some promotional things. We'll take some of this uh, you know money that we've got here. We're gonna uh, promote some giveaways. On that thing that we're, you know, we're kind of going through, we're talking about in the future here. So uh, we like to do some little giveaways things just to get people to get in there and and subscribe and find out a little bit about 
who we are on Instagram. I'm so glad to have you, man, because I know nothing about Instagram. Now, we don't have the TikTok up yet, but we're going to work on that down the road. But uh, I'm really, really proud to have you here, man. And I got to tell you, man, I just love the intro to death, man. Thank you so very much. Yes, sir. That's what I'm here for. Right on. Well, good stuff, brother. Let's get this train rolling. My NFL football team, they, you know, they lost uh, in the playoffs a couple of nights ago, as I expected, which was, you know, sad for about 10 minutes. But like the great Jerry Garcia once saying, every silver lining has a touch of gray. I got plenty of time to lament over that loss in the offseason, but now my attention is like totally upgraded to 150% on baseball with no distractions. And quite honestly, I'm fine with that because I got the greatest baseball audience on the planet with over 24 countries tuning in every week. And speaking of the audience, I just want to humbly say thank you for your more than generous support with the donations to our little grassroots effort here that uh, my man 12 Gage here was talking about this past week. There was a tremendous interest in the hot, uh, interest in the hot and cold tumbler cups for our VIP don- don- donators to the Let's Talk Baseball Podcast Network and Backwards K-Pod. And those will continue to be available from here on out, those tumbler cups. And we also, you know... We got other things coming in um, as well. I saw some keychains and stuff. So we have some really exciting stuff coming there. Um, all you got to do is go on our Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram pages. And I'll give you all that info at the end of the show. The cash donations, they went over very, very well. We will continue to take cash donations until like the end of January. I'm not trying to gouge you. All the donations are going back into the show and the network. And I'm intent on taking this show up another level and building on all the success of BKP's rookie year. Uh, if you'd like to still send a little cash donation before I shut it down at the end of the month, you can Venmo a dollar or more at uh, Jake slash Robinson slash 143. That's Venmo at Jake slash Robinson slash 143. Or you can send it through PayPal to DiamondSnakeJake at gmail.com. Every penny counts for the grassroots effort here. And like I said, I'm truly humbled. And I'm also encouraged after this about the future of not only, you know, the LTBPN, but, you know, back, uh, backwards K-Pod as an entity. Uh, so, with that being said, I'm never going to charge you for the content here. No Patreon. Very limited crowdsourcing, you know, besides these once-a-year donation drives. But that's strictly on a volunteer basis. You won't miss content if you don't donate. I- I'm going to be coming through every Tuesday, and I do mean every Tuesday, with that free baseball smoke. You don't want that smoke. And I'm going to keep it consistent like Kofax, baby. Again, I'm truly humbled. And I want to recognize the donors here at Backwards K-Pod. Pay tribute to them on this uh, month as they uh, came in. I, I'm truly touched that anyone would appreciate my work so much that they would literally say, here you go, Snake. Keep doing what you're doing. And here's my investment in you because I believe in what you're doing. And I got to tell you, I grew up with such a diminished view of myself when I was a kid. But, all right, let's stick a pin in that because I want to give personal thanks to each and every one of you that reached out this week. And gave so generously to keeping this train rolling, baby. Jane Toro out of the Bronx, New York. Bruce Anderson Jr. from the Big Easy, New Orleans. John Fox out of Houston. Greg Stewart, Piscataway, New Jersey. Corey Smith out of Albuquerque. Cecil Hackworth down in Florida. Ben Muth, my Jayhawks lover out in Kansas. Ozzy Cruz in Puerto Rico. Peter Savella out in uh, Ithaca, New York. 
and my boy Mikey Frank said about tuna. Uh, I cannot thank you guys enough. It really inspires me to take it to another level this year for you guys. I also want to recognize the ones that that really went above and beyond for the Let's Talk Baseball Podcast Network and Backwards K-Pod. And I'm going to call them our VIPs. You know, thankfully they're in a position of life where they went, you know, where they went all in. They, you know, they were in a position where they could do that. They bought the Cubs, dropped some dough. I mean, above and beyond shit. The VIPs are as well as Scott Debine out of Sarasota Springs, New York. Our very first person to buy a cup back in December, back when there wasn't the combo deal, when it was only the backwards cake pod cup. <laughs> because you were the first, Scott. I'm personally going to buy the red, white. Uh, Let's Talk Baseball Podcast Network Cup for you as soon as we can catch up on all the handcrafted demand right now. So, thank you, Scotty. Uh, Abel Rosario Jr., if that name sounds familiar to you, it's, uh, he gave me the World Cup wrap-up at the beginning of the, I believe it was the Bob Euchre show, maybe? And Abel went above and beyond. Thank you so much for your generosity, brother. I look forward to talking WBC with you here at the Backwards Cape uh, pod in uh, March. And thank you, thank you, thank you. Travis Hall out of Wisconsin. And Travis was a little late getting on the BKP train, but he devoured the catalog in literally weeks as soon as he found it. And he's always in my box with great comments and questions. He's a big fan of history. And he's obviously a fan of the LTBPN and BKPS. You know, he went all in. So thank you, Travis. Thank you very much. There's Scotty Yoakum out of Franklin, Texas. Uh, I'm sorry, Franklin, Tennessee. He's one of my OG soldiers. He's been riding with me for years. Came through for a brother. Thanks, Scotty. Uh, my, my dog, Brian Belzino. Out in Dewey, Arizona. Dewey, Arizona. Dewey, Arizona. That's my boy. I don't even got to say thanks to him. He knows it's all up. And the big hitter. Babe Ruth of the VIPs, my good friend John Bonney. And before he says it, he messages me that I'm the only person he knows personally that is pursuing pursuing their dream in life. He went on to say that he lives vicariously through me and my dreams, which, you know, when he hears me performs, and sometimes he said he feels jealous. Now, now look, this, this is a very successful person in life. He has money, homes, beautiful daughters, but, you know, he admires me, and and here, by the way, I believe in you so much. You know, take all this cash, Jake, and keep reaching for the stars. And I'm telling you, this guy knew me when I was nothing. I was a homeless 16-year-old kid living in a gazebo in the parking lot of my job. And here's the kicker. I've always admired him. So to hear him say he admired me, it set, literally set the chill down my spine. And this is someone who has seen me at some of my most vulnerable lowest times in life. So, Johnny, I truly appreciate the donation, brother, and I'm going to keep pushing on. You may admire me, but I'm motivated by you to be the best at this shit. So, I just want to thank everyone who donated again. I know some of you are probably like, enough of this already. Let's get on with the show. And I can go on and on. I'm out touched I was from all, from all the love and support. And look, and money is a little tight right now. I totally get it. I do take five-star, well-written reviews. This Backwards K-Pod is available on all podcast platforms, wherever you listen to your pods. And if you're on Spotify or Apple, one of those kind of platforms, or anywhere that they let you rate and review, please do so as you see fit. By donating those uh, free stars and reviews to BKP, you're keeping the show viable in the search engines, and you're putting a little food on the snake's table. So, with that being said, I see the catcher is coming down. The ball is getting tossed around the infield. Time to call all aboard. 
and get this runaway freight train back in motion. As this week, I decided we would take a look at the history of baseball and U.S. presidents. And, look, before we get it started, for God's sakes, let's keep it bipartisan this week, okay? I truly don't care about your political affiliation or party. Uh, I don't know why you should care what mine is. Honestly, I I wish there was no parties, just ideas and solutions. I I can't stand the radicals on both sides of the spectrum. So, I'm going to keep this as apolitical as possible. This is simply about U.S. presidents and their connection to the national pastime. And one of the things about baseball that still fascinates me to this day is how the growth of baseball and the United States as a country are intertwined forever. Almost every single U.S. president has had some sort of connection to the national pastime, whether it's throwing the first pitch, hosting championship squads at the White House Oval Office, receiving uh, field passes, or even just dropping clever antidotes into our American lexicon of language and literature, practically every dude who has sat at the resolution desk has left a presidential legacy with the game of baseball. And the connection, it goes all the way back to the one, George Washington. Uh, in between making that, you know, buying Jerry, Cherry Moonshine out of Virginia and kicking some royal British Yes, old George, he liked to play a form of English rounders. Uh, it, was a, it was an English game. It was called rounders. And he would do this to break the monotony and the savagery of the American Revolutionary War. And an unidentified colonial rebel's diary had an account where it said, uh, General Washington would play catch for hours with his aide de camp. And just the mere thought of the one Throwing a ball around, it just makes my heart smile. Now, around this time, teams are beginning to play in the ellipsis area where the Capitol building now stands. This is around 1860. George Washington's successors would follow suit in this brave new world of democracy. The second president, John Adams, he has been noted by prominent historians as a man who also enjoyed his bat and ball games. Now, a third president, Thomas Jefferson, he was eloquent, fiery, wrote the Declaration of Independence, true badass, right? And he was a pretty independent guy, but true to his independent nature, he was not a fan of bat and ball or sports in general. He was said that he was watching some uh, matches of bat and ball, and he said that games played with balls and bat or even others of that nature, are too violent for the body, and they stamp no real character on the mind. So, Thomas Jefferson, uh, he wasn't for sports at all. He didn't have time for sports. That wasn't what he was all about. I mean, you know, you're basically uh, a dummy if you play sports in his mind. Now, the fourth president, James Madison, all the way up to the 14th president, James Buchanan, There's very little history between the White House, you know, the presidency, and baseball. And that would change with our 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, which shouldn't be a shock at all. I mean, Lincoln was a big man, six foot four. In his day, that was almost shack like. He was powerful, renowned throughout the country as, you know, this badass wrestler. He loved baseball. He actually was probably the first super fan president. 
1860, when the Chicago Convention nominated Abraham Lincoln to represent the party in the upcoming presidential election, the Republican Party, they sent officials to his home in Springfield, Illinois, to give him the good news. And they were surprised to see him playing baseball on the lawn. He casually turns to them, and he thanked them for delivering the great news. But they would have to wait for him to get his at-bats before he could sit down with him. <laughs> After he was elected, he and his son, Tad, they would sneak out of the White House and walk to the uh, the Ellipse area to watch others play baseball. And sometimes the guys would actually even talk uh, the president and his son into playing baseball with them out there on the ellipses. And just like George Washington, President Lincoln would use baseball as a tool to take solace you know, from the horrors of war that, you know, and he would often sit quietly and just watch these soldiers play during the Civil War. That's, you know, that's pretty much the beginning when baseball really starts to blow up and become a part of the Americana culture. And while Abraham Lincoln was the first presidential superfan, the 17th POTUS, Andrew Johnson, he may have been the biggest baseball fan ever. One time, he gave all the government workers in, in the district the day off. Um, August, you know, it was August of 1866. He gives all the government workers off so they can go watch the Nationals take on the A's. 1866, folks. On September 18th, 1866, he became the first president to attend a professional baseball game as the Brooklyn Excelsiors who would go on to become today's San Francisco Giants, beat the Washington Nationals 33-28. to <laughs> He was also the very first president to invite a pro baseball team to the White House. Now, after the completion of the Civil War and his presidency, all Ulysses S. Grant wanted to do was disappear from the glare of the spotlight Probably do a little drinking, <laughs> right? Watch baseball. And there are many historical accounts of him driving his carriage into foul grounds and taking a few innings here and there. Uh, before his death, he fell in love with baseball, and he began to go to games quite frequently, honestly. On May 1st, 1883, he went to the Polo Grounds for the first game in that building's history, and he sat in relatively uh, relative obscurity in the grandstands that day. On June 6, 1892, President Benjamin Harris, the nation's 23rd president, he is the first president to be identified as witnessing an entire live game in the stadium. He saw the Nationals lose to the Redlegs, 4-2 in 11 innings. And the next day, he watched Filthy beat up on the District Nats, 9-2. And many people inside the newly formed Secret Service Agency they didn't like the fact that the president was so carefree at these ballparks. And it was then that Secret Service uh, began detailing a president's itinerary for trips to sports stadiums. And side note, I'm not sure if you've ever been to a game with the president in attendance. Have you ever been to a, a sporting event where the, the president was in attendance? I have not. No, sir. I'm going to tell you... Uh, it's it's intense. There's guys up on the roofs with, with sniper rifles. You know what I mean? You don't know who around you is an agent or anything. It is sealed up tight. 
I grew up in Baltimore. I saw many presidential first pitches. And look, the Secret Service, they got shit sewn up tighter than a snail's asshole. The funniest thing is they are everywhere. And you don't even recognize it unless you're like really trying. And an agent might, you know, get a, you know, be a little too obvious, get a little sloppy. It's amazing. It's on lockdown. The 25th POTUS, William McKinley. He was the first president to invite a team directly into the Oval. When he invited the Washington Senators on April 17, 1897, <coughs> he was scheduled to be the first president to throw out a pitch. And that was going to be on April 22nd. Unfortunately, McKinley was a no-show for the game, and he, uh, you know, he wanted to catch a lot of flag for that. Our 26th president, Theodore Roosevelt. Interesting, you know, ironically to me, he had no love for baseball, even though he was like this huge sportsman aficionado. He, he often referred to it as the country's national pastime, but he preferred boxing, lacrosse, cricket, hunting. Now, his son Quentin, he loved baseball, and Teddy was very supportive of his son playing the game, and he would often watch him play. But Teddy, the, you know, the guy that, you know, we think of him as this huge sports guy, not a big baseball fan, but he did support his son and his endeavors. Uh, his successor, our 27th president, he would change the relationship dynamics between baseball and the Oval Office forever. On April 14th, 1910, President William Howard Taft began a tradition that continues to this day when he throws out the first pitch of a Senators game. Taft would repeat that ceremony the next year, but he missed 1912 because of the sinking of the Titanic five days before opening day. And Taft was a large, obese man, but he loved his baseball. The Senators had to remove two seats from the stadium and install like this big man chair for him. Also, April 14, 1910, the six foot two inch, 320 pound president had been seated uh, the entirety of a, a Senators matchup at the stadium. When all of a sudden, in the middle of the seventh, the big fella, he got up and he stretched his large frame out. And upon seeing this, the crowd rose as well in reverence to the commander in chief, thus spawning the tradition. That lasted this day, called the seven-inning stretch. Even before he assumed his uh, title of presidency, officially Woodrow Wilson hinted to Sporting News that he would be a frequent spectator at Senators games, but that he was going to pay for his tickets instead of taking advantage of his uh, presidential season pass. Wilson was the first president to attend a World Series game when he saw the Red Sox defeat the Phillies 2-1. to one. Game 2 of the 1915 World Series. Although Wilson loved baseball, his tenure as Commander-in-Chief, it, it had a detrimental impact on baseball, actually. As, you know, World War draft, it decimated the MLB talent, and it lessened the quality of, the quality of play. President Warren G. Harding was a huge baseball fan. Growing up in Ohio, Harding played youth league baseball with Bob Allen, who would go on to play shortstop in the majors. He was also co-owner of a Little Rock, Arkansas club and a Southern Association. On April 24th, 1923, President Harding shows up unannounced to the brand new house that Ruth built. And he goes there to watch the Yankees take on the Senators. Uh, It was the first shutout in Yankee Stadium history as the bombers behind the arm of Sam Jones shut down the Senators. 
President Harding would die in office four months later. Calvin Coolidge, one of my favorite all-time presidents. Just a brilliant dude. Uh, when he took over after Harding's death, people in the Republican Party were worried his personality may turn off voters. I love this personality because he was like, fuck it, I don't care. You guys figure it out. So, his handlers decided to promote his baseball fandom. And when the D.C. Senators won the 1924 World Series, the president invited them and over 100,000 fans to celebrate on the South Lawn. Coolidge would throw out six first pitches in his presidential era, two of which were World Series games, and he is also the first president to attend a World Series opener. Herbert Hoover, the nation's 31st president, he once said, Next to religion, baseball has furnished a greater impact on American life than any other institution. And he took his role as a fan serious. He threw out opening day pitches for the Senators, all for the opening days during his presidential tenure. He also traveled to Filthy to watch Game 1 of the 1930 World Series between the Phillies and the St. Louis Cardinals. And the former president also threw out the first pitch of the Yankees' old-timers game when he was 86 years old. I don't think that was the Phillies and the Cardinals. I got to look at that. Hey, look up who was the World Series. I think that was uh, the A's and the Cardinals, not the Phillies. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the longest tenured president in American history. Was baseball crazy. And I'm looking at that 1930 World Series. That don't feel right to me. That Phillies and the St. Louis Cardinals. Check out who played that World Series. I think it, I, I think it's the A's and the Cardinals. But uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the longest tenured president in American history. And he was baseball crazy. His aides say he enjoyed himself at games the way kids enjoy Christmas morning. And FDR would throw out a record eight Opening day pitches. What did you find out about that 1930 World Series Gage? Man, Snake, I found out that it was, in fact, the... Hold on now. Philadelphia. Philadelphia Athletics playing against the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, I figured that was the case. Yes, sir. Thank you, brother. No problem. After the bombing of Pearl Harbor by the Empire of Japan, baseball commissioner Kennesaw Mountain Landis, he asked President Roosevelt if baseball should be continued to be played during the war. And FDR quickly responded back in what is now known historically as the Green Light Letter. And he says in this letter that it would be best for the country to keep baseball going. And that letter became front news uh, headlines. Players, fans, and owners, they all drew a collective sigh of relief after hearing that. Uh, Harry Truman, one of the biggest baseball fans ever in the White House. In fact... I hit on him pretty extensively in the history of the Kaufman Stadium show in Kansas City. And if you haven't heard that show, you need to go back and check it out. You can find that anywhere you listen to uh, BKP, or you can swing on over to DiamondSnakeJ.Pobby.com to hear that Kaufman Stadium show or any of the other shows in my always expanding vault of archives. So, six days after that, uh, the end of World War II on September 8, 1945, uh, Truman would throw out the first pitch at a Senators game at Griffith Stadium. And this was seen as a symbolic return to normalcy for the American conscience. And Truman was ambidextrous. And I talked about that on the Kaufman show. He is the only president, get this gauge, to throw opening day pitches with right hand, left hand, and once over his head with both hands. 
<laughs> that is awesome. That is. During his presidency, Truman went 16 games in total, setting the record that still stands today. 16 games. That's pretty good life right there. Free games still. President Dwight D. Eisenhower. Ike. True badass. He once said, you can't hit a home run by bunting. Preach, Mr. President. Preach that shit. You have to step up there and take a cut at the ball. Never be more scared of the enemy than you think he is of you. And God bless you, Mr. President. I mean, really, he just said it all right there. That's my motto in life. I want that on my gravestone. Now, I would lament that his greatest disappointment in life was not making the baseball team while attending West Point. He made the football team, but admitted baseball was just so much harder. And he did, however, play semi-pro ball while attending West Point under an assumed name. Luckily, the NCAA didn't find out, and he, of course, graduates from West Point with honors. I mean, the NCAA could have really fucked his life up as a student athlete. And thankfully for the history of the country, and for the country, you know, butterfly fleck moment here. That was not the case. You know, he could have been in a lot of trouble, been blacklisted. Uh, we needed President Eisenhower when, when, when he was where he was at that time. And throughout his presidency, uh, Eisenhower took 13 games. And he uh, threw out the first pitch in seven of those. Our 35th president, JFK, John Fitzgerald Kennedy. Huge baseball fan. On April 10th, 1961, the president took off his jacket. He hurled a baseball to a sea of players. It's been documented as the longest and hardest throw by a president ever. I mean, when you expect it. I mean, JFK was a pimp. The next year, 1962, JFK, he's in there to open the Senator's new stadium. And ironically, that would be renamed RFK Stadium after his younger brother, Robert, in 1969. President Lyndon Baines Johnson. He was once quoted as, we cheer for the Senators, we pray for the Senators. Let's just hope the Supreme Court does not declare that unconstitutional. Unfortunately, for LBJ. There wasn't much time for baseball, as he had to pick up the pieces for a grieving nation dealing with the horrific murder of President Kennedy. He also had the Vietnam War cranking up, civil rights unrest domestically. So, baseball games wasn't on his priority list, even though he did love the game. On April 9th, 1965, check this out, Gage. The 36th president, LBJ, and his first lady, Bird, Lady Bird, Traveled to Houston to watch the grand opening of the world's first indoor stadium, the Astrodome. It was the first time a stadium was marked, dedicated, and opened by a president. LBJ sat there and enjoyed an exhibition game between the Strohs and the Yanks, and he watched the great Mickey Mantle drop Dong, the first home run in Astrodome history. Richard Milhouse Nixon. He was a huge, huge fan of baseball. So over. So much so that three years before he became president, listen to this shit. He was offered the position of MLB commissioner and a $100,000 a year salary. That, that's great money. And his wife, Pat, she wanted him to accept the jobs so bad that, you know, she was a seamhead herself. But 
Nixon would turn down that offer to pursue politics. On July 14th, President Nixon tossed out two pitches, one to a member of each team, as he threw balls into, and he also threw three balls into the stands. He was the first president since William H. Taft to attend a season game in a National League park. Nixon once opined, I never leave a game before the last out, because baseball, as in life, and especially politics, you never know what will happen. I gotta imagine he probably said it more like, I never leave the game before the last out. <laughs> Alright, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I never leave the game before the last out. Because baseball and life, and especially politics, you, you, you never know what will happen. And he would often write op-eds in the D.C. papers about things like the greatest players ever. And he would share stats that he found fascinating. And just like millions of people do on social media today, well, he would often be trolled and ridiculed for his opinionated stance. But it was very clear that Nixon had a higher understanding about the game than many other presidents before him. Statistically speaking, Nixon knew the numbers. His successor, President Ford, he took over unexpectedly after the Watergate scandal. And upon returning home to Grand Rapids, Michigan, after World War II, Ford begins to study for a law degree. In the meantime, for entertainment, he becomes a huge fan of the Grand Rapids Chicks of the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. And he could always be seen there courting his future wife Betty at these games as the two virtually, you know, literally fell in love following that team together. So when Ford took over the presidency, one of the first things he did in 1974 was sign a bill allowing girls to play Little League Baseball. And before that, it had been restricted to only boys' participation. The only opening day uh, that President Ford ever attended was a Rangers game, Arlington, Texas, 1976. And he threw two baseballs to Rangers catcher Jim Sundberg. Uh, Ford, like Harry Truman, was also ambidextrous. And this is at the 1976 All-Star Game. So he throws a left-handed pitch to Yankees catcher Thurman Munson and a right-handed one to Johnny Bench of the Reds. Jimmy Carter from the state of Georgia, our 30th president. Wasn't really a big baseball fan, but he did like to play softball. He loved to play softball. And uh, he only attended one game during his presidency. It was Game 7 of the 1979 World Series at Memorial Stadium in Baltimore, Maryland. And he was the only president since William H. Taft to not throw out a ball on opening day. Ronald Reagan, the 40th president of the United States, he was the first and only president so far to work as a baseball broadcaster. He used to do these radio recreations for WHO in Des Moines, Iowa. And these recreations are when the game has already been played and they would have a guy like President Reagan come in and recall the action. And as much as he enjoyed the game, he didn't attend a baseball game until Game 1 of the 1983 World Series between the Orioles and the Phillies in Baltimore. And, okay, side note again. We did the uh, Mutt and Jeff Bandits. The true story about Rick Dempsey's Little League coach who went around robbing banks in California to fund the Little League traveling baseball team. 
Well, that's the Mutt and Jeff Bandit show. You really should check it out. I mean, it's a great fucking show. But here's the thing. When the Orioles won the World Series in 1983, Rick Dempsey was the MVP of that series. And one of the things that was hilarious was on national television, President Reagan is talking to Rick Dempsey, and he says... Congratulations, Rick, on your MVP. And Rick is like, oh, thank you, Mr. President. You tell those Russians we're having a good time playing baseball over here. And I don't know, man. I'm just like a 12-year-old kid. I thought that was like the coolest thing ever. My catchers talking to the president, talking smack about the Soviets. I loved it. I thought it was great. So, you know, Reagan's always had this connection to baseball. And he definitely had a connection here in 1983 with the Orioles winning that World Series. That same year, he designated May as a National Amateur uh, Baseball Month to recognize sportsmanship, competitiveness, and the teamwork necessary uh, to developing good citizens. And <laughs> I just think when I hear that, you know, Thomas Jefferson, he'd be rolling over in his grave if he read that shit, right? So in 1984, he returns to Baltimore to throw out the uh, opening day pitch. And then he sat in the dugout to watch the rest of the game. He's the only president to ever do so. On September 30th, 1988, President Reagan threw out the first two pitches of a Cubs game. And then he returned to his broadcast roots for an inning and a half in the booth where the first pre- uh, the, uh, the president called play-by-play. His successor, George H.W. Bush. He was a huge baseball fan. Probably the best baseball player to ever hold office at that level. Uh, he excelled at the sport while attending the College of Yale. And throughout his presidency... The elder Bush, he, he attended 10 games, and he's throwing out the first pitch in eight of them. On April 10th, 1990, he becomes the first U.S. president to throw out a pitch in Canada, along with Canadian Prime Minister Brian Mulroney at Sky Dome in Toronto. In July of that year, the two leaders attended the 1991 All-Star Game together. On April 5th, 1993, our nation's 42nd president, William Jefferson Clinton. He uh, threw out the opening day pitch at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. After which, uh, the president, he went upstairs to the booth. He sat alongside John Miller and Brooks Robinson to call that top of the first inning. A year later, he opens the brand new Jacobs Field in Cleveland with an opening day toss. And to this day, one of President Bill Clinton's favorite memories in office, he says it all the time to this day, was when he and Vice President Al Gore went to Camden Yards on September 6, 1995, or 96, to witness Cal Ripken Jr. break Lou Gehrig's consecutive game streak playing record of 2,130 games. Uh, he was also in the booth when John Miller, with John Miller when Jr. dropped Dong at that game. And in fact, President Clinton says on audio, YouTube that shit. He says, 3-0 count, if he gets a pitch he can handle, he's swinging. And his words were prophetic as the next pitch was hammered by Cal over that left field fence. George W. Bush, 43rd President of the United States. Uh, the apple didn't far, far, fall far from the tree here as uh, he took on his father's love for the game. And he once said, from baseball, I developed thick skin against criticism. 
I learned I learned to overlook setbacks and focus on the long haul. And he learned those lessons by being the owner of the Texas Rangers from 2001 to 2009. Uh, as president, the seam head went above and beyond to promote the great game. Uh, he launched a t-ball tournament for the kids out on the South Lawn. It was held annually during his two terms as president every year. President Bush had a lot of adversity during his tenure after the tragic events on September 11th. Bush was encouraging people to try and get back to the normalcy of life. Kind of like Harry Truman was, right? The one time when he comes out. And that means play ball. So baseball obliged. And the New York Yankees, a team and a fan base still in recovery from the psychological distress caused by that day, they make it to the World Series. And this fucking dude, George Bush. Again, I don't care about your political innings. I'm talking about the man, okay? This fucking dude, my commander-in-chief as a veteran, he walks to the top of the mound with purpose and a determined face. And he flashed the crowd a thumbs up before delivering a perfect strike. And it was just like a signal to the country. I'm your elected leader. We're America. We have lives and our heritage to defend. And no one is ever going to take that from us. Everything is going to be okay. And it's just one of the most... I think it's the greatest presidential first pitch I've ever seen in my life. Um... Wait, do you remember that well when he threw out that first pitch? I don't. You I don't? don't remember that at all, actually. I didn't even know that. Really? Uh-uh. Oh, man. Well, uh-uh. you, you That's saw, something I should know. I'll you saw you the right promo now. video, right? It's the, oh, yeah, it's definitely. the very last right. one. And that pitch is just letter perfect. Oh, it's... I mean, it's unbelievable. Like, under the pressure. He's out there with a bulletproof vest on. You know what I'm saying? Right. This dude, I don't care, man. I don't care about your policies. I don't care. He did the right thing that night. And he fucking let everybody in this country know... We're going to be okay. And, look, I think that's where I'm going to end it. I know there's still three presidents left. Obama's a huge White Sox fan throughout many pitches. Donald Trump was a gifted high school player, but never threw out a pitch during his president. Uh, he didn't throw out a pitch. He did throw out a pitch in a minor league game shortly before he, he became president. And Biden's story is still being written. I'm going to bypass those final three because it's just way too much, way too much vitriol in today's politics. Maybe uh, four years from now, we do do a part two of this. We'll retouch on that. I want to thank my brother-in-arm, the Batman to my Superman, 12 Gage Productions. Thank you, brother. Awesome job, man. I can't wait. We got so many ideas running around. We're going to fucking kick some ass this week. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, If you guys want to learn more, there's a few things you can look into. Uh, A lot of books about baseball and presidents. Some on YouTube. Plenty out there. You can find us on Twitter at back underscore K underscore podcast. Check out that uh, Backwards K Pod YouTube channel. You can find me on Facebook at the Let's Talk Baseball Podcast Network group page. The show website is diamondsnakejake.poppy.com. And Gage, what's the deal with Instagram, baby? Where, where, where do they go? Well, Jake, we got we got Instagram up. Y'all be looking for a video for our next uh, for next week's topic. You know, we'll throw out a little video, a little synopsis, give you a little 
a little taste before the meal, if you know what I mean. Sounds great, brother. You know, like a little uh, appetizer. A little appetizer. Yeah, like calamari, exactly. man. I'm all about the fucking calamari. Well, calamari man. for yeah, the fettuccine, well, you know what I'm saying? All right, well, there you have it, folks. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoy telling. Uh, I hope to see you back next week as I will be looking under the hood, diving into the life and times of Mr. Cub Ernie Banks. Let's play too, Ernie. Man, I can't wait to dig into that piece of cake right there, baby. But look, that's another story for another pod here at Backwards K-Pod, where we collect ballplayers and their stories. Parents, if you see your kids sitting on the couch with their faces in their bones like a bored AF, by all means, take him or her outside and play a game of catch. Thank y'all for coming out. God bless and win the day. And like my boy Shay Hillebrand told me, and I want to want. You go to hell, Andy Pettit. Peace out, team heads. See you next week.